We are in Matthew chapter 28. Let's pray and then we'll dive into this. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for being our Father. We thank you, God, that you are faithful. We thank you for a new year that you have given us to walk with you and to live for you and to just allow you to work in our lives and in our church. And so we give you this time today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, my wife and I just got back yesterday from Oklahoma. We flew out on Tuesday night to go and see our grandson, Jack Harrison Salvato, for the very first time. I think we have a picture of him that's going to be up there. Isn't he amazing? Look at that little red hair. He's got the little faux hawk going on, and that's just natural. But um, it's my son, Aaron, and so just a, such a great time to be with uh, them. And I got to tell you, as I'm you know, holding little Jack and, and as I'm, you know, just looking at him and making faces and doing, you know, what grandpas do, I couldn't help but find myself thinking, God, what do you have for this little boy? What are you going to do with his life? And what part am, am I going to maybe play in helping influence him in his walk with Jesus. And I think that is a normal thing for us to consider and think about as it relates to our kids and our grandkids. But it's also a normal thing to think about in reference to God's kids. What does God have for us? Sometimes when I'm up here and I'm looking out at some of you, I I think that, Lord, what do you have for him? What do you have for her? I know Paul the Apostle, he thought that way. When he was writing to the church in Colossae, he said this, kind of describing his whole approach to ministry. He said, it's him we preach, speaking of Jesus, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we might present every man, you could put in there, and woman, perfect or complete is the idea in Christ. And Paul said, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul says, when it comes to the church, when it comes to my work among the body of Christ, the thing that that I'm thinking about and striving and working towards is that I might present them complete in Christ complete in Jesus. Now, I view that as my mandate, it's really any pastor's mandate from the Lord, is to present the people that he has called me to serve complete in Jesus. That one day I am going to stand before Jesus and I'm going to answer to him for how I served the body here at Calvary Vista. And so for that reason, I have sought to be faithful in teaching you the word of God. And I have sought with the power of God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit and as best as I can to model Jesus before you, which I don't do that great at, at, you know. But it's the goal, it's the focus, and everything is is revolving around this idea to present you to help you become complete in Jesus Christ. You know, when Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica, he said something similar. I'll read it to you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, How can we thank God for you 
in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face. And here's the reason, he says, to complete what is lacking in your faith. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, we're dying to come and be with you, to be with you, to see you face to face, that we might complete what is lacking in your faith. And I think in all of our lives, we have to ask that question. Lord, is there anything lacking? Is there any area that I need to grow? Is there any area where I'm lacking in my faith and in my relationship with you? Now, today is January 2nd of 2022, brand new year, second day. And usually on the first Sunday in the new year, I do what we call a Vision Sunday message. And the focus of it is to share with you what God has put on my heart and our leadership's heart as it relates to, you know, what does God have for us in this coming year for us as a church? So I was praying about this message, I was praying about today, clear back in October, And just thinking, praying, pondering, God, what do you have coming into this new year for the church? What do you want me to be sharing with with the body? Lord, what what do you want our, our focus to be? And there were a couple things that God put on my heart. The first is that our vision for 2022 is actually to be the vision that we had that he gave us for 2021, which has really been the vision of our church for the past 25 years, we've just phrased it in different ways. And last year we phrased it this way, that we would go deep in our love for Jesus and our knowledge of Jesus and widen our reach for Jesus. Deep and wide. That was our vision. That was our our focus. Let's let's be asking God to do this in our lives over the course of this year. And as I said, that's been really the heartbeat of our church for the past 25 years. We, We often put it this way, that our goal as a body is to know Jesus and to make him known. That's our focus. Deep and wide. Going deep in our love for Jesus, wide in our reach for Jesus. And what that involves is what the Bible refers to as being a disciple or discipleship. And that's why I asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Because before Jesus left planet Earth, before he ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples what we call the Great Commission. He gave it to his disciples, and he really gave it to all the believers who would follow after them. For every church, this is is the mandate. Look at verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I want you to notice here that Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make converts, or go into all the world and make believers. No, what he said was, go into all the world and make disciples. And so the question is, what is a disciple? And I think the easiest, simple definition that we could give of a disciple is this, someone who is radically committed to Jesus. A disciple is a person whose whole life is about knowing Jesus, living for Jesus, and serving Jesus. It's been said that not every believer is a disciple, but every disciple is a believer. You see, there are certain people who are believers, 
They believe in Jesus. They're saved. They've given their heart to Jesus. But they're not disciples. Because you see, Jesus is just a part of their life. They give him an hour or so on a Sunday. They give him some moments during the week. But most of the time, they spend their lives living for themselves, focused on themselves. And I don't mean like they used to before they were saved, but what I mean is simply in this, their whole world revolves around what they're doing, their goals, their dreams, their plans, their responsibilities, and that just consumes all of their focus. But a disciple is one whose whole life revolves around the relationship with Jesus. That Jesus is at the center of their lives and everything else in their life revolves around that relationship that they have to him. And here at Calvary Vista, we are committed to seeing unbelievers become believers and then believers become disciples. But here's the question. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? What does that look like today? And that's really what the Lord put on my heart to share with you on this first Sunday of 2022. And I got to say this before we kind of dig into this anymore is I've read a lot of books on discipleship. I've listened to a lot of messages on discipleship. And quite frankly, many of them, what, what, what they have, what's presented oftentimes, I would say is very unrealistic, very impractical, and oftentimes unattainable. Even to the point that when I look at the disciples of Jesus himself, they don't live up to a lot of times what's written in some of these books of what it looks like to be a disciple. Because you see, when you look at the disciples of Jesus, they were ordinary people, ordinary men and women like you and I. Ordinary people who made mistakes, who had problems, who oftentimes did stupid things. Who here has done something stupid in the last couple of days? Okay, I have. And yet these are the guys that Jesus referred to as his disciples. And so over the past few months, I've been thinking about and praying about and mulling over, God, what does this look like today to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it look like for the mother with three little kids who, who spends you know, her time during the day just looking for moments to spend with Jesus? Because oftentimes that's all she gets. It's just little moments. What does it look like for the brother or sister in our work, or I mean in our, in our family, church family, who's, who's working 60, 70 hours a week and they're you know, simply trying to keep Jesus as the center, be a good provider you know, for their, their family, but is looking for those, those opportunities during the day. And it can be hard at times. To just be with Jesus. What does it look like for the single parent among us who's providing and parenting and leading and and doing all of that all by themselves? What does it look like for them to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, as I said before, it starts here. It starts with being fully committed to Jesus. 
where Jesus is number one in our lives, that, that he's the center. That's the starting place. But I think there are some traits that we see in the life of the disciples of Jesus and the early church that define for us what discipleship is supposed to look like. And these are traits and practices that I think can, can sort of form a grid for us that we can look at, and it can be the, the grid with which we measure ourselves individually to see, am, am I a disciple or am I just a believer? And this is what we're calling here at Calvary Vista C4 Discipleship. Four traits and practices that will be a part of any person's life who is a disciple of Jesus. Four traits that were seen in the first disciples and in the early church. And this is what I want us to consider today in the rest of our time before we have communion today. Is these four things. If you're taking notes, here's number one. To celebrate. You see, the first disciples were worshipers. And so we say this, discipleship starts with giving Jesus glory for who he is and celebrating the life that we have in him. The men and women who followed Jesus, who were called his disciples, were people who were given to celebrating Jesus and what he had done in their lives. They were people who were given to worship. In fact, it was said of the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that they met daily to praise the Lord. Daily coming to lift up the name of Jesus. There was an attitude of gratitude that was a part of their lives. And that language and attitude of praise is really, really evident in the writings of the apostles. You look at the writings of the apostles and there is so much praise language in their writings. Take, for instance, John, who wrote these words in John chapter 1. Speaking of Jesus, he said, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The idea there is they were captivated by who he was. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, when we were with Jesus, we were overwhelmed, captivated by who he was, captivated by his glory, which was the perfect blending of grace and truth. Here's what the Apostle Peter had to say about the church, about you and I. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen generation. Everybody say chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Say royal priesthood. A holy nation. Say holy nation. And then I love this one. His own special people. Isn't that incredible? God says, this is who you are. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, my own special people, and this is what you're to be about, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous lights. Peter's saying, this is what we're about. This is why we exist, to proclaim the praises of Jesus. I love when we sing that song, Resurrecting, that we were just singing. And it gets to that point where it says, and he robbed the grave. And some of you guys just go crazy. I mean, you just start yelling. <laughs> I just love that. It's like, yes, that's what it's all about, right? He's risen. He's alive. And he saved us. 
Paul the Apostle in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Paul's saying, look, you exist to know Jesus. And that's why he saved you. Remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray? He said, hey, when you guys pray, pray, pray like this. Say, our Father. Turn there's Abba, it's Daddy. Daddy. It's a term of intimacy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that word hallowed mean? It means to be lifted up and set apart. We get the word holy from it. It's to say your name is like no other name. It's saying let's, let's allow God's name to be treated differently in our lives than any other name. It was Martin Luther, the reformer, who was asked, how is God's name hallowed among us? And this was his answer, when our life and doctrine are truly Christian. Or to put it in another way, when our lives revolve around Jesus and our aim is to bring him glory. So the early church, they were given to celebrating Jesus. And their lives were marked by an attitude of gratitude. And that's to mark our lives as well. And so this is what this looks like here at Calvary Vista. It's one of the reasons that we give a great place to celebrating Jesus in all of our gatherings through what we call worship. But here's what I want you to catch. When we gather together here for worship... When, we, when the band begins to play and lead us, what we do here is really meant to be just the overflow of what's already going on in our hearts and already going on in our lives. It's to be the outflow of the, the sense of recognizing and celebrating and being excited about, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I think we should sometimes like wake up and pinch ourselves. I can't believe that God loves me. I often think God knows everything about me and he loves me anyway. I don't think anybody else would do that. He loves us. to think, man, God, you love me and you save me and I'm going to heaven. I mean, that is something we're celebrating. Can I get an amen? Remember when Jesus sent his disciples out to minister and they came back. They went on like this little missions trip and they came back and they were all excited for how God used them. And Jesus said, you know, that's great. But he said, don't just rejoice that God is using you. And that is something to be excited about when God uses you. It's exciting. He says, but don't just rejoice that God is using your life, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you're saved and that you know God. So praise and worship should mark our lives. And worship is not an event that we do. On Wednesday night, we call it a magnify night. It's not an event, but it's a time for us as the body to come together and express the thankfulness and the excitement and the celebration for what God is doing in our lives. And so it's, it's the overflow of what's already happening, and it just flows out of us when we get together. But I want you to note this as well. We also worship and celebrate Jesus by giving priority to the study of his word. For you see in Psalm chapter 138 verse 2, 
It tells us that God magnifies his word above his very name. Isn't that heavy? That's such a stunning and remarkable statement showing the incredible regard that God has for his word. That he holds his word up and esteems it higher than his very character, than his very name. And he's given us to study it. And so when we come together and we do like what we're doing right now, we are giving worth, we're worshiping Jesus through the study of his word. And then we respond like we're going to do today. We respond with more worship to the word that was given to us. Remember when Jesus was met with that woman at the well in John chapter four? Woman of Samaria. And their conversation turned to the subject of worship and they were talking about where to worship and how to worship. And and Jesus said this to her. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him and God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Catch this. Such a heavy statement. That every single time that we gather together, like we are today, and worship starts, when the band starts to play, and even now when we're studying God's word, God is looking out over this place and he's seeking for those who would worship him in spirit, that's with all of our hearts, and truth, that's according to his word. He's looking, he's searching for that. And so we want to be a a church that is all about celebrating Jesus, who he is, and what he has done in our lives, and what he is doing in the lives of those who are around us. So the first C is to celebrate. The disciples were given to celebrating Jesus. The second C is community. You see, discipleship consists of connecting with Jesus to grow in the grace and knowledge of who he is and connecting with other followers of Jesus to stir each other up to love and good works. I want you to notice it begins with connecting with Jesus. That's the first priority. When Jesus sent his, or was calling his disciples to come and follow him, it tells us in Mark's gospel that he called them to himself. That was first. Before he called them to go and do anything, he called them to just be with him. And that's God's heart for every single one of us. Before we would do anything for him, he wants us to first just be with him. And the Bible tells us, Jesus gives us this promise, you draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Isn't that amazing? He gives us this promise that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And how does he reward us? He rewards us with more of himself. And so we see in the early church that they were men and women who were given to seeking after Jesus individually, but they were also men and women who were given to community. You see, they realized that no one, none of us, is meant to follow and walk with Jesus alone. None of us are called to be lone rangers, in other words. We've been created in the image of God. That means we've been created for relationship, first with him and then with others. And so community, engaging with one another and seeking to stir up one another and encourage one another in following the Lord is a big part of the Christian's life. The writer of Hebrews, he put it this way, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. 
In other words, he's saying there's some people that don't see the importance of community and relationship, but don't let that be you. But instead, exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. The early church disciples were so committed to community that the Bible says that they actually met together every single day to study the scriptures and to seek after the Lord and encourage one another in the Lord. Here's how the book of Acts puts it in Acts chapter two. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking in bread. That's communion. We're gonna do that today. And in prayers, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They got together daily. That's how committed they were to community. Jesus also, in his own life, he he demonstrated the importance of community. He taught the multitudes, but then he would step back from the multitudes and spend the majority of his time with 12. And then of the 12, there were three that he would get alone. It's kind of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And then when he sent the disciples out, he sent them out not by themselves, but in twos. And all of that illustrates the importance that Jesus placed on community. And so here at Calvary Vista, we are committed to creating atmospheres for smaller gatherings, smaller settings where people can connect and build community with each other. We often say this, we learn in rows, but we connect in circles. And so we place this importance on creating settings where community can happen. It's one of the reasons why we took some prime real estate here on our campus, parking spaces. We know how how dear they are here. We took about 20 of them and took them out to create the courtyard. So after services, people can go out and have coffee and have a burrito and sit and encourage one another and share with one another while their kids play on the playground. That's important. It's why we've placed an emphasis over the years on home group settings because we see the importance of getting together in homes to encourage and build up one another in the Lord. It's why we last year changed our entire format on Wednesday nights from simply being a Bible study and a worship time in a Bible study to now being worship, a shorter Bible study, and then a time where afterwards we get in these circle groups where we can encourage one another and talk about the message and stir up one another in the Lord. We feel the importance of that. It's why we've created over the years these different what we might call transformational studies where we're getting together and and creating... Opportunities for people to get together to just study a specific thing. To build themselves up in the Lord. It's why our men's and women's Bible studies always give place to these circle times, these small group settings to talk and encourage one another because we realize that Jesus puts a premium on community. So the early church, we see, they were given to community. They were given to celebrating Jesus and who he was and, and what, they, what he had done in their lives. And there's another thing that stands out about the early disciples is that they understood that they were redeemed for this purpose. This is number three, to make a contribution in this world for the kingdom of God. 
And so they literally sacrificed their time, energy, and resources to advance the kingdom of God and the gospel message in the world. And we're told in the book of Acts that this group of people, they were so, they took this so seriously that in Acts chapter 17, it says they literally turned their world upside down. So discipleship results in being active in the advancement of the kingdom of God in the church and in the world. And we believe that every single person in our church family has a unique role to play in the church, but also in the world. You see, it's not just about making a contribution here in these four walls, but it's also about making a contribution out there in the world. In the sphere of influence, and every single one of us, we have one. A sphere of influence is who God has placed around you, where you live, who you live with, where you work, where you play. That's your sphere of influence. And God wants us all to make an impact in in that way. And so he's gifted us. Listen to how Paul, the apostle, put it. In, In Romans chapter 12, he says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us paul says let us use them if prophecy let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry let us use it in our ministering and he who teaches and teaches he exhorts in exhortation and he who gives with liberality and he who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness don't you love that that the lord calls mercy one of the spiritual gifts just seeking to give mercy, to encourage, to build up those who are around you. And so discipleship involves making a contribution to the kingdom. And our desire here is we want every single person in our church family to discover their unique role in the church as well as in the world so that they can make a contribution for the kingdom of God. And so we are always seeking to provide you with opportunities to make a contribution. Opportunities to serve in the body here, but opportunities to also serve outside of here. With some of the ministries that we partner with, like Birth Choice or Operation Hope or some of the other ministries that are going on around us that we say, hey, here's an opportunity to serve. We do that also through encouraging you to go on short-term mission trips, to go out somewhere and take the gospel and to be used by the Lord in that type of way to give financially to the work of the Lord, to pray for the work of the Lord. All of those, all of that is ways that we can make contributions with our lives. So being a disciple involves making a contribution for the kingdom of God in our sphere of influence. But the fourth C is very vital in helping us do that. Because the fourth C is to be compelled And you see, the first disciples understood that the only way that they would be able to make an impact for the kingdom of God in this world was by being compelled by the love of Jesus. Paul the Apostle would say, it's the love of Christ that compels me. And he was talking about not his love for Jesus, but his understanding of Jesus' love for him. 
It's the love of Jesus that compels us, and it's the empowering of the Holy Spirit that's connected to that that helps us to do and be what God has called us to do and be. And so discipleship advances when we are being compelled by the love of Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit to impact our spheres of influence for Jesus. And you see, the early church, they realized that they were called to do something that they could not attain and do on their own. And we need to realize that as well. We need to realize that we can never be what God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do in our own strength and in our own power. It's why Jesus told his disciples that before they were to begin their ministry, that they were to go into Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. He put it this way in Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the the early church, they came to realize that they had to be completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit in order to do what God was calling them to do. And I think we all need to check ourselves constantly in this way, to ask ourselves, "Am, am I attempting to walk with Jesus and serve Jesus and live for Jesus in the power of my own strength? Or am I attempting to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's one of the reasons why here at Calvary Vista, we emphasize often how we need to be led by the Holy Spirit and how we need to learn how to walk in the Spirit and how we need to make sure that we're being empowered by the Holy Spirit because the only way that we can do and be what God has called us to do and be. So it's the love of Jesus Christ compelling us and the Holy Spirit empowering us. That's the key for us to fulfill the calling that Jesus has given to our lives. And so, as, so in 2022, as we seek to go deeper and wider in our following of Jesus and serving of Jesus, the, these, three, these four C's can be the grid by which we measure our lives, to see, to ask ourselves, am am I a disciple or am I just a believer? That we can ask ourselves, "Am am I one who's given to celebrating Jesus and the life that I have in him? Am I one who is given to community, engaging with others in the Lord and allowing others to speak into my life? Am I one who is seeking to make a contribution in my sphere of influence in the church and in the world for the kingdom of God? And are we, am I daily being compelled by the love of Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do and be what he's called me to be? If we can answer yes to those four things, I think it's a great indication that we are fulfilling our calling to be disciples of Jesus. But if we can't say yes to that, then we have to ask ourselves, what Paul was talking about to the Thessalonians is, Lord, is there somewhere area where I'm lacking? And if so, what do I need to do to make that change? Lord, is there some area in my life where I'm, where I'm lacking, where I need to grow? Where, what, what are the things, what are the priorities that need to change in my life? So as we wrap up today, I'd like you right now just to bow your head and close your eyes. We move toward this attitude right now of prayer. 
And I think this is a great opportunity on this first Sunday of 2022 that this wouldn't be business as usual. But this would be an opportunity for us to examine our hearts. And I want you to, first of all, examine, to ask this question, answer this question. Lord, am I 100% committed to you? Are you 100% committed to Jesus? Does your life revolve around him, in other words? Is he at the center of your life, or is he just a part? Might be a big part or a small part, depending on the season and the situation, but can you say, I'm 100% committed to Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Second, ask yourself, are you given to celebrating Jesus? Are you a worshiper? Or are you a complainer? Always focusing on what is not happening. If you're like, you know what, man, you just nailed me, I'm a complainer. Give that to Jesus right now. And right now in your heart, just start thanking him for saving you. Thanking him for the reality that you are going to heaven. Ask yourself this question. Are you given to community? Or are you more of a lone ranger type of Christian? That you've been just set kind of on doing it on your own. Can I encourage you today to make a commitment? To maybe today to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to join one of those circle groups on Wednesday nights. Maybe you're like, man, I'm kind of an introvert. I kind of don't like those kind of things. But, and personally, I can, I can relate to that. But say, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment to, to join one of those, allow others to speak into my life and give an opportunity where, they, where I might be able to speak into theirs. And then ask yourself this question. Are you making a contribution? Are you using your time, energy, resources, and talents and gifts for the advancement of the kingdom? If the answer is no, I want to encourage you right now, ask the Lord, Lord, show me where and how you want to use me. Lord, show me what you want me to get involved in. Now, maybe you are one of those moms with little kids and you're thinking, man, all I have time for and all I have energy for is just these, these kids right now. Well, maybe that's the only contribution God wants you to be making right now is pouring into those kids. That you're going to turn their lives upside down for Jesus. And that's awesome. That's an amazing calling. But maybe you're here and you can look and you see the talents, the gifts, the resources that God has given to you. And you're not using those to make a contribution for his kingdom. Can I encourage you to just right now begin to ask him, Lord, will you show me? Lord, I want to be in that place. Now, if your answer is yes to all four of those things, you're, you're committed, you're celebrating, you're involved in community, you're making a contribution, th- th- that's awesome. But here's another big question to ask yourself. In the contribution that you're making, are you doing it in your strength or are you doing it in his? And here's a good way to gauge that. If you're doing it in your strength, do you feel worn out? Are you frustrated? Do you often feel like you're doing it all alone? 
That could be an indication that you're trying to do it all in your strength. And can I encourage you just to confess that today? To say, Lord, forgive me. And then fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. In just a moment, the band is going to begin to lead us in some worship. We're going to sing a couple of songs. And during this time, we're going to just open up this, this time for us to partake of communion together. And we have the communion tables up front here on the sides. And I want to just encourage you to, as you feel led, you can just get up out of your seat and make your way up. But here's what we're doing today by receiving of communion. We are, first of all, celebrating what Jesus has done for us. Who he is, that he is God in human flesh, come to earth, that he might save us and make a way for us to know God. And so we're celebrating that today. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, know this. He did all of that because he wanted you to know him. And you can simply right now in this room just just say, Lord, I want to know you. Just say, Jesus, save me. And he'll meet you right now in this moment. But for those of you who are believers, here, this is also what we're doing right now on this first Sunday of 2022. We are making a statement as we partake of communion. Jesus said that we were to, to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow after him. And we are making a statement today. Jesus, I want to be 100% for you. I want to follow you in 2022 with all of my heart. And we're making that statement today as we are partaking of communion. But here's what else I want you, encourage you to do. Because some of you, maybe God's been speaking to you this morning. And maybe you're in a place where you realize, you know, I haven't been 100%. Or maybe you are in a place where you know you realize there's a, something that's lacking in in your life, and those four things, and you're like, you know what? I, I just haven't really given that. This is your opportunity, and I want to invite you before you come to the communion tables to make your way up front to kneel on this padded carpet, because the Bible says that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And coming and kneeling is one of those ways that we can humble ourselves before God. And the Bible says that as we humble ourselves before him, he will lift us up. And so I want to invite you in this moment that we're going to have right now with with just us and Jesus, that if God's been speaking to your heart in some way today, I want to encourage you before going to the table, come and just bring your heart before him. Kneel down as you're worshiping him and allow his Holy Spirit just to come upon you, to fill you fresh, for his grace to pour over you. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that you have saved us, that you've opened up a way for us to know you, that you've invited us to be involved in what you're doing in in the church and in the world and the lives of others and in the lives of those in our sphere of influence. And God, we want to be, as a church family and as individuals, we want to be 100% committed to you. And so God, we ask you right now that you would just meet us personally right now in this moment as we sing these songs, as we worship your name, as we partake of communion together. In Jesus' name, amen.